Hey, Brendan, thank you very much for church news this morning. I appreciated that and a whole bunch of amazing things that you've shared with us. Now, if you've got your Bibles there, I'd like you to get to open them up to Acts chapter 16. And thank you, Lizzie, for reading Acts chapter 16 to us. Um, I'm going to add a couple of verses because as I delved into this passage this week, there were a few other things that I wanted to bring out to us. So this passage has got a main character. Uh, her name is Lydia. Now, some of you may realise I'm wearing a new shirt, a long sleeve shirt, as someone pointed out, which is true. It is a long sleeve shirt, stating the obvious. Um, it's, a, it's as close to purple as I could find um, uh, yesterday when I went shopping to buy a purple shirt. Um, there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to wear it. One, Lydia sold purple gear, and apparently it's high price, and if you wear it, you're it. So there you go. There we go. The other one is there's a number of purple shirt wearers around Australia who've been very naughty this week, and I want to lift them up in prayer and ask them that they would uh, continue to hold on to Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that they will honour their position as wearing purple shirts as part of their uniform. I want to wear it and honour God as I do so. At the same time, reflect on this lady called Lydia. Acts chapter 16, if you have your Bibles there, Acts chapter 16. We're going to start from verse 11, which gives us a bit of a picture around the back end of where Lydia comes into the story. And it says here, they rove from Troas and we put into sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. The next day to Nephilus and from there to Philippi. Now, Philippi was a Roman colony, a leading city of the district of Macedonia. Now, if you lived in the day, you wouldn't just call Philippi, Philippi. I mean, you could. It was very colloquial. It's like we call Brisbane, Bris Vegas, or the place down the end of the road, or Brizzy, yeah, Brizzy. Um, some people, when you live in, in posh cities, um, they often will give you the full title of their city. So I've only been to Canberra a few times, but a lot of Canberrians apparently call Canberra the capital of Australia. Not just Canberra, the capital, the, the place, the place, the home. Um, interesting, we just call here Kiwana, sunny coast, but the regal name for Philippi is Colonia Augusta Caesar Philippinanius. How's that for a name? Where do you live? I live in Colonia Augusta Caesar Philippinanius. Background to Philippi. It was a very old city until it got destroyed. Let's have a look. Philippi, its original name comes from Syriandus, which means fountains, after its establishment by the Thassian colonists of 360 to 350 BC. The city was renamed by a guy who conquered it, a guy called Philip II of Macedonia in 356 BC. So it wasn't known as Carandius for very long, got changed to, to Philippi. In the 14th century, the Ottoman Empire came through and destroyed it. Not very nice of them. The present municipality, municipality of Philippi is located near the ruins of the ancient city and in 2016 was classified by the UNESCO as a World Heritage Site. So it's a very, very special place. Hence, um, you know, it got a fancy name, a very fancy name. There was also a lot of famous history stuff that took place. Um, I wasn't aware of this famous battle between the Republicans and the Democrats. Um, Apparently there was a Republican called Brutus and Cassius who went up against the Democrats of Octavius and Antony. Um, and Octavius and Antony beat them 
Is that right? No? Don't know? Roman history? Oh, maybe Octavius wasn't called a Democrat. Maybe I'm getting carried away with politics at the moment. But they were Republicans. So Brutus... Brutus? Is that a knife I see? Brutus? The Ides of May? Julius Caesar? We don't talk about that? Okay. Brutus and Cassius took on these two other guys, Octavius and Antony. Antony had a thing with a girl called Cleopatra. You know your history? Oh, my goodness. All right, back to the Bible. Let's leave that behind. So these guys, they stayed in the city for several days. Now, there's apparently four of them hanging out together doing this second mission trip throughout this area. And they stayed in the city for several days. But on the Sabbath, they went outside the city. And they went down by a river. And uh, when you delve into this, it's probably a river or Ganges, G-A-N-G-A-S, where they expected to find a place of prayer. So the guys had been in the city for a few days. They'd been hanging out. They'd found out that there was this prayer meeting every Sabbath a kilometer out of the city. So it wasn't in the city. Now, is there anything you find strange with that straight away? Philippi was a really cool city. Why wouldn't it be in the city? If you were going to hold something, why wouldn't you hold it there? It's a significant event. It's a prayer meeting. And it happened on the Sabbath. So what other things happened on the Sabbath? The synagogue. There would have been a synagogue in this city because it was a famous city. And if they had money, they would have had Jews. And the Jews would have been there. And there would have been a synagogue. But you've got to remember, the Jews became an incredibly powerful people all through history because they were very good at the way they did money. They were the early banks. And although people didn't like having to work with them, if you wanted to have money in one place when you travelled to another place, you needed to have good relationships with the Jewish people. So there would have been a synagogue there, but they weren't in the synagogue. So this is Paul, Dr Luke, the author, Timothy and Silas. That's four big guns from the early church. They're in Philippi, but they're not going to the synagogue, which is what Paul usually did, wasn't it? He used to go to the synagogue and he would preach up a storm and either it would be, yay, this is so good, or it would be, oh, this is so bad. So it was either fun or riot wherever Paul preached. This time they did neither. They went outside the city, about a kilometre, to the side of this riverbank, the Ganges, and they found a group praying there. What sort of group was it that was praying there? It was a group of women who were praying. Annette mentioned this morning um, about a revival starting in prayer. Apparently there was a big revival over in the UK and it started by two twins who couldn't get to church. They were unable to. So they started a prayer meeting in their house. They were old ladies and they prayed and they prayed and all God broke loose. This was a group of people praying, a group of ladies praying. There was a God-fearing woman named Lydia. Now, God-fearing is, is a good, good word, and we're going to look into this a little bit more. She was a dealer in purple cloth. Now, when you read that, you go, oh, purple cloth, wow, that's pretty purple. Who wears purple these days? In fact, one of the shops I went into yesterday, I said, oh, I'm after a purple shirt, and they went, really? We don't sell purple. Actually, we don't sell red anymore either. It's all these colours. And I went, oh. Now, yesterday, if I had have been my wife, 
I could have gone into 22 different shops to buy clothes. But as it was, I had to go into Best and Less, prestigious, graceful place with shopping, uh, Just Jeans, Connors, and Big W. They were my four opportunities. Like, oh, yeah, Lowe's. Five opportunities. Five versus 24, 25, 26. 20. Everywhere I went, there was women's shops. And I thought, that's not a nice purple shirt. I wonder if anyone will notice it's a lady's shirt. Anyway, this one's from Connor. And, um, yes, purple. So she was into purple. Um, think, when, when you read that, think Prada, think Gucci. That was the type of clothes that she made. She was very, very good and very, very wealthy. See, she grew up in a city, Thyrata, uh, called Turkey. And if you, if you know your Bible, in the book of Revelation, there's actually a letter to this place. Um, and she was listening to the Lord. The Lord opened up her heart and responded what she responded with what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me to be a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us to do so. Now, the word persuaded there actually means um, to compel by employing, employing force. So she was pretty forthright in getting the guys to come and stay with her in her house. She wanted it and she got it. Now, I want to give you a bit of background on Lydia. Um, now, this comes from the Polish network, the Boldly and the Boldly Conference. So this is not my own work. I did send it on to Ange to send it out there. And they've put this little thing together about Lydia of Philippi. She was the CEO of a luxury textiles manufacturing luxury purple dye and cloth in the first century. It was to the elite. She was at Philippi, Macedonia, and all throughout Europe. So she was doing very well for herself. Her experience, she was the first Christian in Europe. That's not a bad claim to fame, is it? First Christian in Europe. Co-founder and host and benefactor of the Philippian church. She was an exporter and importer of luxury trade goods. Her education, she had a certificate of conversion and baptism under the Apostle Paul. Then that's not bad, is it? Hey, that's not bad. I mean, Brendan has a certificate of baptism in the Jordan River. I'm a little bit envious of that. That's pretty cool. Jordan River, that's cool. But this one was to Apostle Paul. Uh, volunteer experience. Well, she apparently hosted a weekly prayer meeting. Every week she hosted this prayer meeting. Her skills and endorsements. Well, she's an effective church planter, as per the Apostle Paul. She was a persuasive business leader, as per Timothy. And she was an influential businesswoman. She worked in the trade of luxury goods. Lydia was successful and independent businesswoman. And as a result, she became very wealthy. And although it was common in this time, this time, now, for women to be able to own houses and businesses, guess what? Back then, it wasn't. She was a real groundbreaker. She was someone doing something absolutely amazing and incredible. Lydia was a worshipper of God. She was a God-fearer. She was like the eunuch who had a chat with Philip about Isaiah 53. She was like Cornelius, who Peter was told to go and visit. All of these three were looking for God, and guess what? God turned up in amazing ways, in incredible ways. For some, it was in a house, for some, it was in a wagon, and for some, it was on the bank of a river. Notice, none of those three places were inside a church or inside a synagogue. They were all outside. 
God was on the move. They had a prayer meeting outside the city. They say it was a kilometre and it was on the Sabbath. So what did we gain from that? It was on the Sabbath, so they obviously weren't in the synagogue. So they were women, so maybe they weren't wanted in the, in the synagogue. Maybe they were, you know, from a different background. Maybe they were not Jewish at all. Maybe they were proselytes. Maybe they were unclean. Or maybe she had a bad reputation. Have you heard me mention her husband yet? Nope. There's no mention of a husband. There is a mention of her family, of her household, but no mention of a husband. Now, that means there's either two things have happened. One, he's died. Or two, he's so dead against... Oh, sorry, he's died and they got divorced. Or they got divorced, not and divorced. You can't get die and divorce at the same time. They, he's died and divorced. Or... He's so dead against God that he's never mentioned. They're the two forms that most commentary writers come up with. Most of them come down on the side that um, he has passed away. In fact, he passed away back in her hometown in Turkey. And she came to Philippi with her family for a new start, a new venture. And anyone ever done that? A new start, a new adventure, leaving the old behind, starting anew again? They think that's what she may have done and become very, very good at what she did. And we realised that these women were sitting there and they were having their prayer meeting, and we realised that Paul, Dr Luke, Timothy and Silas came. Now, as you read it, they, they just sat first. They didn't just come into the prayer meeting and take over. They sat and they listened. And I'm guessing four guys turning up to a prayer meeting where it was all women, that was noticed. Four Jewish guys talking about this new thing that was going on. And they got Paul to preach, and Paul shared, and as it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the eyes of their hearts were opened. Faith was stirred. So these people believed in God, but learning about Jesus was brand new. Learning about Jesus was something amazing. And they responded. And how did they respond? They responded straight away. They responded and were baptized right there and then. Her and her household. Now, you've heard us talk about oikos before. If you look into this passage, her household is oikos. So everything that she had to do in her household, her family, her servants, everything that was important to her in her house, she said yes, and they all went yes, and they were all baptised together. And it was such a special occasion that Lydia turned to Paul and the others and said, now, if my turning to faith is something amazing is something incredible, then I want you to come back and hang out with us into my house, which again is the word oikos. So Lydia was very real on grabbing hold of, this is a ministry I have now, into my home, into my house. Now her house was big enough that she could easily take four guys and say, yep, come and stay with us. No problem, no worries, no stress. They say, as you delve into the early church in Philippi, that her house was the first place where the church met, as well as the prayer meetings down on the, the bank of the river, because that seemed like a pretty good place to do church. But her place, so she was the one bringing it all together. Lydia had a ministry. It didn't matter that she was a woman. It didn't matter that she didn't have a husband. It didn't matter that uh, she was coming from Turkey to Philippi and she's now recognised as probably the first Christian ever in Europe. 
It didn't matter that she hadn't been to Bible college. It didn't matter that she hadn't been in church before. But what it mattered was she met Jesus. And she said, this is important. And if me meeting Jesus is so important, then Paul, you come back and stay with me. You come back with these other guys and you come back and you teach us and you train us and you equip us because we want to reach Philippi with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is important. Oikos. We've been talking about oikos. We've talked about this little diagram There's a, there at the front door. If you haven't got one of those, you can write your neighbours. You can write your workmates. You can write your friends. You can do that. And then pray for them. That's your oikos. Minister into that space. It's important. Brendan's already mentioned that as a church, we have an oikos. So as a follower of Jesus, I tithe. As a church, we tithe. And we had a good time this week looking at the budget and putting it all together and praying about it and talking about it and then having a look at it. And, and Roy and I sat down and worked out what we could do with $26,000 as our tithe into missions. How cool is that? To sit and to work out how we're going to spend $26,000 supporting missionaries all around the world. Um, and you'll be glad to know that that's all going to go to the leadership meeting and be presented at our, our next meeting, Rio Budget. So that's $26,000 we're giving as a church. That's part of us as tithing. So as a church, we believe that's important. And for me personally, I believe it's important. But for me personally, my oikos is important. After church, to the 11 o'clock today, I'm going to go to the hospital. I, I prayed for that young man, Adam. He's from the football. He's a young, fit guy. He had a heart attack yesterday morning. And he was rushed to hospital and put into, ho- into surgery and he's alive today. Now, in talking to his wife, who helps me in the area of chaplaincy and peer support, she's on the peer support side of things, she said, Donnie, I, I just said, hey, praying for you, so sorry to hear about this, just connecting with her, and she said, Donnie, it was so obvious that someone was watching over him today. So obvious that someone was watching over him today. It's a miracle he's alive. And I'm going, yeah, man, yeah, man. There's a God out there. He's at work, and he cares about 30-year-old ex-footballers. He's at work. Now, some of you heard my, me talk about my fat boys. There's a, an old guy in our fat boys. He's 84 years old. He, he played for Newtown, and he played against St. George back in the day where St. George won eight, uh, 12 grand finals in a row. And it was unlimited tackles. And when he played for Newtown and he played against St. George, I said, how did you go against St. George? We tackled a lot. They never gave us the ball. They just held on to the ball and we tackled the whole time. Did you ever beat St. George? No, no one ever beat St. George. That's why we had to change the rules so we could beat St. George. Anyway, he's 84 years old. He's got cancer. And he's been through it twice. On Friday mornings, I pick him up and take him up to Fat Boys. He loves it. He gets, it's one of his opportunities to get out of the house. He's had hip surgery and all those sort of things. So I pick him up at 5.30 in the morning and we go to Fat Boys. And he tells me how his week's going. I mean, he tells me how his week's going. He tells me. He tells me. First thing he tells me, his son was visiting. His son flies in and flies out. He's, um, the first thing he tells me is, Donnie, I've, I've got my tests back. I said, okay, how'd your tests go? And he said, the, the doctor just shook his head the whole time. And he said, I can't believe this. Here is a picture of your cancers, your tumours, 
There they all are. Here is Tuesday's pictures. They're gone. They're gone. And Noel's going, oh, cool, awesome, excellent. Now he's in the car sitting next to me saying, how cool is that? My tumours and everything are gone. And I, you know me, I can't miss an opportunity. I'm going to grab some fame for God in this circumstance. And I said, no, mate, you're probably going to claim the fact that the doctors have given you a lot of medicine and, and all this sort of stuff. And he said, yep, they have. And I said, I'm going to claim the fact that I've been praying for you, buddy. And you know that, and I've been telling you that. And I'm going to claim that there's a bit of healing going on here. And he said, I'm doing that as well. And then from the back seat, his son, Simon, says, yeah, my wife, Mary, she goes to church and every Sunday morning she's been praying. So, so I'm here to say, yeah, there's some prayer going on here and there is some work of God in my dad's life. How cool is that? This is in my car, not in my church. This is in my car. An old guy, 84, is testifying, yeah, God's doing something. He's a worshipper of God, but he doesn't know Jesus. We've got to get to that next level. God's at work in the place, like the footballer. God's at work. We need to get to the next level. Tell them about Jesus. It's out there, folks. It's for you and it's for me. I talked to Warren Crank this week. Warren Crank wrote that book, Unofficial Chaplain. And um, I'm trying to get a few more copies of it so you can have a read of it. It's a very small book. Uh, It's excellent. But I I want to challenge us all that we be, be unofficial chaplains. You don't need to have the title of being the chaplain at the Kiwana Water Surf Club or the chaplain at the Dolphins or the senior pastor of Kiwana Life Baptist Church who wears a purple shirt when he preaches. You don't have to have any of that. You can just be a follower of Jesus and bump into people in your daily, everyday life and just love them, care for them, pray, pray and pray. You see, as a church, we want to be an intergenerational family. We want to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And if you're going to get out there and share Jesus, you're going to be transformed. We want to impact others with his love. And if you want to get out there, uh, you, you will. You will. You see, our mission statement is to glorify God by making disciples of all ages, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and equipping them for ministry in the church, community, and beyond. Now, that's Lydia's story, isn't it? She comes to faith. She becomes a disciple. She's baptized and she goes on and she starts a church ministry and she ministers into the city of Philippi. Now, if you know your Bibles, you'll be sitting there going, Philippi, Philip, where have I heard that? There is a book called Philippians and it's about this place. It's about these people that started on this day in Acts 16. And it's one of the letters that Paul writes that is a good letter not a nasty letter. He doesn't get tough with the people in Philippi. He loves them and he cares for them and he rejoices with them. And he tells them to keep doing what they're doing. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for Lydia and her story. I want to thank you that there was something in her that she wanted to find out who God was. She wanted to know who God was. And she met with other people, ladies, to pray. And then you turn up, Lord God. You turned up. You sent your disciples. You sent Paul. You sent Luke. You sent Timothy. You sent Silas. And all those women there on that day, Lord God, got to hear the gospel of your truth. And Lydia responded, and all her household. And I imagine, Lord God, so did many others. But what about those people that day, Lord God, that didn't go to the prayer meeting? 
those people that woke up in Philippi and went, yeah, no, I, I went to the prayer meeting last week and it was all right. I mean, it was okay. It was lovely sitting on the bank of the river, but, you know, nothing happened. No, I'll give today a miss. Lord, they would have been upset. I can't imagine any of the disciples, Lord, not being in the upper room. Uh, Thomas tried it. didn't work well for him. Missed out on that first appearance of Jesus. But on the day when you poured out your Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, which is coming up, Father, they were all gathered in one place. And in fact, there were more than just the 12 gathered. There was a whole bunch of others gathered because they, they knew God was doing something and they did not want to miss out. And I pray, Lord God, we will be like that. We will not want to miss out on what you're doing. We will not want to miss out when you choose to do something amazing and incredible. And we will walk through our days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, with our eyes open, our ears open, and our hearts prepared to share your love, your word, your truth, your passion to a hurting world. And it is hurting, Lord. It is hurting. But you're on the move. You're out there. You're doing work. And I pray, Lord God, that we will be a part of that in our own oikos, our own backyard, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, to the glory of God. Amen. God bless you one and all. I am back to Richie and the team.